Hello and welcome. welcome the Chris to Wolf Podcast on iCode Media. Chris Wolf. That's what it is. Now here we are saying whatever we want because Chris said, say whatever you want. Make sure you like and subscribe <laughs> and support those who support us. So today I want to talk about the Mind A Multifocal for just a second. It has been a really great thing in our practice for our patients who are presbyopes of all areas, but you know those tricky presbyopes are always the ones that are kind of emerging where they don't want to give up any of their faraway vision, but they're having some struggles up close. And so what uh, the Mind A Multifocal has been able to do for us is to allow those patients to transition into a multifocal more easily. And then as we have those patients progress into other levels where they need more ad powers it's been a nice smooth transition so the ultimate hurdle that we've seen in our practice before the my day multifocal was that we'd have patients who would resist any transition to a multifocal lens because of that distance blur we just haven't seen that so if you haven't started using my day multifocal in your practice I would encourage you to start, check it out, uh, contact, reach out to your Cooper reps for those trial lenses uh, and commit to My Day Multifocal for your patients. I think they're going to like it. If you haven't checked out MacuHealth yet for your patients in Category 1 through Category 4, I think there's a lot of evidence that you should be considering. The first is if we just look at AREDS 2 and what they, they talk about, MacuHealth is a, so for patients in Category 3 and Category 4 um, AMD, MacuHealth is a great option for them that follows that entire, um, that entire protocol, and it also adds mesozeaxanthine to the mix, which if you look at some of the evidence, I believe shows me that it's going to thicken the macular pigment better than without mesozeaxanthine. It also uses the a correct AREDS2 dose of zinc uh, at 25 milligrams, and so you don't have to worry so much about the potential side effects of zinc. The other thing to, to think about, and it's beyond the scope of this, although you've probably heard me talk on other podcasts, is that in patients in category one and two, there may be some additional benefit uh, to supplementing them with something that may be a little bit less than the AREDS2, so you don't have to add as much to it. And that's where I use the MacuHealth LMZ3. And so I think if you haven't done this yet, I'd consider MacuHealth in your practice and for your patients. And it's been great for my patients, and, um, and we really feel like we have the ability to uh, help those patients in all categories of macular degeneration. <laughs> all right. Though, so, um, so yeah, so I, I actually, what's interesting to me is you guys, I mean, first of all, not many people can stay committed to a thing as long as you have, as long as we have. Uh, so when you think about like podcasting, you know, I think we talked about this before, but, you know, I think the average podcast has seven episodes. And so part of just like the stickiness of podcasts is doing it frequently and doing it over and over and over again. So the other thing that, that we talked about last time was sponsorships and, and you guys were totally opposed to them. But then I hear now advertisers <laughs> on your podcast. So what happened? We begrudgingly decided that it's a necessary evil. I mean, let's be honest. There's already so little money in podcasting in general. I mean, all of the money really goes to the top 0.01% of shows. But since we were part of what is now HyperX and, you know, we were part of a group of other people that are doing shows um, based on, on older stuff like we're doing, that it kind of made sense to do it. And so we... Uh, we agreed. We, 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 we got together and Adam and I duked it out. And, and at the end, we said, if we're going to do it, let's try to make it fun. And that's why the ads in the beginning usually have a little extra flair to them. 
Yeah, we can't do anything straight. You might as well enjoy it. Yeah, you might as well enjoy have fun with it and or believe in it. Yeah, we we can't do anything straight. We won't do anything straight. We've always got to put our our flair on it and our our little spin on it. And and yes, Chad's absolutely right. It we joined the network basically to grow our audience, to cross promote with other other people and other shows. And originally, the advertisements were only for other shows. But then we got a sponsor. They rebranded it. They said, "Hey, do you want some money?" <laughs> to just say some stuff and yes we sold out wholeheartedly and 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 why not because here's a little known fact people think that you know podcasters make all this money and everything no it costs us money to do this show we have to do the hosting we have to do the tech we have to do all of these things so instead of yeah. paying money for the service of giving y'all free entertainment we decided you know what we might as well at least break even on this I mean, when they're when they're throwing you tens and tens of pennies, it's just definitely worth, you know, the yes. I mean, you know, to to cover those hard costs that mount. If this I was mean, still it, the nineties, we would be rolling it to do it right. Well, and you're, yeah, you be, yeah, for sure, for sure. So tell me then, okay, so we might as well talk about, you know, the things that you, um, if I had to ask you, top horror movie of the 90s what do you say chad <laughs> can you defer to adam for a minute i need to think about adam. this one because i'm no you know what no no i'm just i'm 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 just gonna go out and say it scream scream had to be the number one horror film of our generation of the of, of all of the 90s i mean i've never been in a theater where literally literally people were cheering when drew barrymore gets bludgeoned in the beginning of the movie people like cheered like it it like it was packed i remember i was in like the second row far right and and i just i had never witnessed anything like that it had the right blend of comedy and horror and and it was just that's got to be number one well i'm gonna it just go to and go go ahead <laughs> i'm gonna Adam, go ahead what do you think? since we're all about promoting and endorsements and everything like that. I'm going to just go ahead and promote the next episode that's in our release schedule, which is Fire in the Sky, 1993, an alien abduction movie. Overall, the movie's not necessarily that great, but it has the most terrifying 10-minute sequence I've seen in any movie ever. It horrifies me. It's got the liquid Terminator from Terminator 2 as the main star and and some guy that looks like Paul Rudd. And it's it's incredibly terrifying. Scared me as a kid and gave me PTSD as I watched it now. So that's what I'm going to go with as far as 90s horror. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that movie... It, it, Adam had this new... Starting in season two, Adam had this whole, like... Um, this made him feel something kind of addition to um, to his life. You know, he added that in, was paying attention to it. This movie, I think, has terrified him more than any other movie because he doesn't stop talking about that 10 minute sequence. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and, and watch that. Clearly, it left you familiar with the movie. You. Do you remember the box at all? Do, do... I'm going to have to watch it. I mean, I, I, the... I mean no, I've, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guys up like this and and being abducted. Yeah. I I remember. I've yes. seen the movie. Yes. Just and, it, years. And, and it actually happened. It actually happened here See, in Arizona. And, and I'm oh, this is it. real from 1975, based on a true story of Travis Walton. And I retraced his <laughs> steps. I went all over Arizona, going to all the places where these things happened. And sadly, I did not get abducted. I wanted so badly to get abducted, but I I didn't. Yeah, he was on Joe Rogan. Yes, podcast. he was, and I watched the Joe Rogan uh, podcast, and 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 he's very credible. His story has stayed the same for nearly fifty years, and he's a logger, and that means he's got honor. That means he's got a big mustache and red hair, and wears flannel, and is from a little Mormon village in northern Arizona. This man is trustworthy. He clearly got abducted. The uh, well, I, so I think the guy's credible too, Adam. And um, so you've got kind of got off on this other tangent, which is kind of interesting to me is uh, is fire in the sky. And I can't remember his name. You said it already, but I, I thought he was very credible as well. So tell me, you know, as an attorney, you kind of listed all these things. He's Mormon. He's he's in a small community. He doesn't really have a whole lot to gain. Um, and he hasn't changed his story. Is there anything else that you look at when you think about credibility of, of a witness that like that? Seven other people have all corroborated the story, and they all passed lie detector tests. Now, polygraph tests don't mean anything in the court of law, but they have all passed dozens of polygraph tests over decades upon decades, and their story has stayed the same despite people trying to poke holes in the argument. Um, and he's just got a really trustworthy face. I'll just go ahead and say that. He's just... <laughs> what? Okay, I, I think he was just on a massive acid oh, trip geez. for like five days. He was dropping drugs, lost his clothes, wandered back into town, and just believed... They he did a massive manhunt. They had hundreds of people happened. and dogs searching all over the area. They would have noticed. They would have tracked him. Had he walked to a different town or been camping in the woods, they would have found him. Plus, if it's one guy on this acid trip, as Chad contends, what about all the other people that came back to town and reported that this <laughs> happened and passed the polygraph tests and things like that? So, um, I... I my my desire to believe is stronger than anything else. I want to believe. Uh, so that might be overriding my judgment a little bit. I will admit I've got bias. I want to believe this guy. But it is one of the most well-documented UFO abduction stories in history. It's kind of the abduction story. And uh, he hasn't uh, recanted all these years. And he's, his story remains very, very consistent. And if there was any any slip up any change in the story over the 45 plus years we would have noticed by now what scares you chad if if alien abductions um scare adam what's the what's the scariest thing that you think about because you know the scream is a is definitely like a a jump value you know there's a lot of shock mm -hmm. value in scream but i i and, and i i agree that's kind of the, the classic 90s uh horror film but the ones that scare me are like fire in the sky. There was one, the fourth, was it the fourth kind? That was another alien abduction one. The possession ones scare me a ton. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think to me and, and my consistent story 
is that I am absolutely terrified of knives. There is nothing that terrifies me more than knives. I, I have a hard time cooking. I am so delicate because I am so afraid of getting stabbed to death. And I think it stems. Now, this is the platform to finally let Adam even inside of something that he probably does not know. But when I was about seven years old, I had a babysitter that was uh, watching me one night, my, my brother and my sister and I, and on TV, no idea what this movie is. All I remember is this man screaming in broad daylight, running through a field as somebody's chasing him and heaves an ax and it just over, over, over spinning, smacks the guy in the, in the back and he shoots up and he's screaming with this ax stuck in his head or in his, in his back. And I said, I was so scared at what I had seen at seven that I think it's affected my entire rest of my life when it comes to scary stuff. I don't usually watch scary stuff because it's scary and I want to be happy. I don't want to be scared. Like, I don't understand that feeling. One of the challenging things with patients is when they invest in a really high quality pair of glasses and, and customized lenses, it can be challenging to keep those lenses clean, keep them scratch-free, smudge-free. And so we now have the ability with Crizal Sapphire HR lenses to offer our patients the best-in-class anti-reflective coating in a way that is really high resistance so that they're not uh, having to care for their lenses as much as when those lenses are caring for them. So remember that you can provide patients that best-in-quality, best-in-class transparency, clarity, durability, and UV protection in a single Crizal coating. If you want to learn more about Crizal Sapphire HR, contact your Essilor account executive or visit EssilorPro.com slash Crizal. I get questions all the time about how do we use 9.2 codes and 9.9 codes and which ICD codes go with different CPT codes and what can be built together and what can't. And this confusion, this uncertainty really holds us back oftentimes to be able to do what we want to do, which is help our patients see clearly and provide their best opportunity for a lifelong vision. And so we built iCode Education for that specific purpose. Uh, we have lots of resources that are based in helping you understand disease states, helping you understand revenue cycles and billing and coding practices. So check out iCodeEducation.com. That's E-Y-E-C-O-D-E Education.com. And we have a specific uh, bundle there for you if you'd like to take advantage of it. It's the Premier Billing and Coding Bundle. We've got a 10% discount code just for listeners of this show. Uh, you can just, in the coupon code at checkout, you can enter in iCode Media 22. That's E-Y-E-C-O-D-E-M-E-D-I-A 22 at checkout. We'd love to have you. We'd love to work with you. Check out iCodeEducation.com. So Jamie, my wife, is uh, she is like that too. She will not watch scary movies. She doesn't like them. She wants to feel happy. I, on the other hand, I think I might have told you guys this before, but I like the whole breadth of emotions that can come from films and the understanding that, like, we have a very privileged life, you know, uh, and there are bad things in the world. And the reminder that there are bad things in the world sometimes is uh, is helpful to give you perspective about your blessings and, and also to remind you that, uh, there are things that you don't want to get into. And so I kind of like all those films. So then, uh, at, Chad, if you're, um, if you're, if you don't like scary films, then let me just tell me your, your top comedy of the nineties. American pie. 
Okay. That's easy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, that th there was no f other film like it. And it, it was completely made 100% for our generation. Like you, you yeah. just, it's literally the year we graduated, they were going through the same things we were going through in real life. We were thinking those same things. And it was a very accurate stamp of, of 1999. Chad, as a filmmaker, what makes, you know, because I think that, that the movies that we, you have talked about so far and, the, and oftentimes the movies that um, we really love and are enduring, they hit and they last. So you can go back and watch them like so I, maybe this is taboo, but I go back and watch Billy Madison and I loved it when I was younger. Hate it now. I, I can't watch it. <laughs> but American Pie, I'll still laugh my head off. What is it as a filmmaker? Uh, it, I, why is that? It's truth. It's truth in in cinema. When you when you when you're telling the truth on camera, it's a lot easier uh, for that to stick for a much longer time frame. And and it's not that I always want to just be happy. You know, I love psychological thrillers. You know, I I always loved you know David Fincher, David Lynch films, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, I've I do like to get the range of emotions. What I didn't like was the violent bloodbaths uh, that were then considered scary movies, predominantly in the 80s, but then into the 90s. So I think the movies that last are the ones that, that really have a message that no matter if you, most cinema is grounded at the point in time in what's, what's being done. If you look at the history of film, you can always tell what's going on in society by by what's in it. I mean, even take, you know, Nolan's Batman, you know, the Dark Knight series, it, it had a stamp of what was going on politically and socially in this country, even embedded in the comic book films. So the stuff that lasts is the stuff that, um, that tells the truth. And that's, you know, that's why they're better. That's why they last the test of time. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I can see that. Um, all right, Adam. So then, I'm going to ask you then. Favorite comedy of the nineties is definitely uh, Tommy Boy. Uh, there, there's, there's no doubt about it. I, I, it's, it's one of those that I don't think is as funny now as it was at the time. Kind of like what you were saying with Billy Madison. Uh, it, it is, it is, it is. Richard. In fact, I'm looking at Tommy Boy right here. It, it's what I stare at when I'm doing the show because it helps get me in the comedic frame of mind. I, 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 I think it's, it's a great comedy all the way around. It's it's if you were to ask me though you, you asked about the best the, the best horror movie or scariest horror movie the nineties best comedy of the nineties those are my answers Fire in the Sky and Tommy Boy but if you asked me the eighties it would be one in the same movie because it's no doubt Ghostbusters Ghostbusters for both of those answers the, the best horror film and the best comedy <laughs> of the eighties Ghostbusters yeah. hands down yeah I mean I don't think you get much many arguments. I'm going to, so we're going to transition into, to, uh, your podcast in a few minutes, but I want to, before I do that, um, or before we do that, and before we close our show, uh, I want, you just made me think as, as horrible as, as good as Billy Madison was when I, when we were growing up and as horrible as it is now, have you guys seen what Adam Sandler has done recently? I know it's, it's beyond 2000, but did you watch uncut gems? Or the uh, most recent film he did on on Netflix? Did you watch that? I'm sure Chad you nailed you did. it. Adam, it would you be sacrilege it. for you. That's to watch exactly it. right. I have not. Chad, seen did it. you see that? Chad. 
Yeah, I th- I thought Uncut Gems was uh, was he was really good in it. Um, I think it, it, I think it got a lot of credit, a lot more credit than it maybe deserved. Um, but he himself was fantastic in it, and I think it was such a departure from his other stuff that people were just drawn to it naturally. And I always like when people do this. I mean, I, I love taking actors that are known for one thing and then trying to put them in something different and, and all that, because we start to realize the, the, the depth that actors really do have and people get to see something different, but that was a hundred percent on uncut gems, his Netflix stuff. I'm sorry. I love Adam Sandler. Um, I literally think he's literally just like trying to see how much money he can spend on so little and just laugh his way through his Netflix deal because his Netflix movies have been absolutely terrible for the most part. Well, it wasn't Uncut Gems a Netflix movie? No. No, it was was 24. Oh, okay. So I I thought it was a Netflix film. That's where I saw it. Um, But I haven't watched it. I mean, I'm sure sure a lot of it is like Netflix. Yeah. A lot of some of the other stuff he's done on Netflix, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say a Netflix. That's just where I encountered it. But I, there was another one he did that I did think was good. Um, was he a basketball coach? I think he was a basketball coach. And I thought that was, I thought that yeah. was good. Yeah. So I haven't yeah, that seen one, that one I, yet. Yeah, you should watch it. I think you should watch okay. it. it. It shows, again, a different side of him that you haven't seen with uh, Uncut Gems. Uh, some of the, you know, like rom-com stuff. I, <laughs> y- he's probably just playing us. A hundred percent he is. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, and I'm saying this, I can be critical of those particular movies only because I am a massive Adam Sandler fan. No! So I, I, They're I all going to laugh really at you! Him and no! I like his casual approach. They're all going to laugh at you! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've been a huge fan my entire life. I just think he's made so many movies that, I mean, how do you keep reinventing that wheel? I mean, so you're going to have some bad ones sprinkled in. And Netflix is notoriously hands-off, and sometimes artists do need a little bit of guidance from a studio, you know, to just kind of rein it in and stop from just making certain mistakes. And so, yeah, some of those haven't been as good, but Uncut Gems is incredible, and a lot of his other body work is incredible. Thanks, guys, for doing this. This is a ton of fun again. Uh, I appreciate it. 